It is Thursday, August 10th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Great trade as Lorenzen throws a Philly no-no. And the last ever Pac-12 preseason preview. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Michael Lorenzen makes good on the Philadelphia Phillies trade for him. 7-0, no hitter. And week one of the NFL preseason kicks off tonight. That'll uh, be yes. the Vegas lead, AJ. We have two games on your preseason schedule tonight. Kicking off at 7 o'clock Eastern time, the Texans at the Patriots. Houston, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And then at 10 o'clock Eastern time on the West Coast, the Seahawks hosting the Vikings. Seattle, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, it's funny because Houston, has, a lot of people talked about them modeling their franchise after the after the Patriots, like mm-hmm. trying to become Patriots South, uh, and they open up the preseason at New England. Although this is the first time in a while they've had a guy in charge who wasn't connected in some way or That's trying true. to be yeah. connected in some way uh, to that franchise. So... Uh, D'Amico Ryan's looking to, to to get his first fingerprints on this team. What are we looking for in tonight's matchup between the Texans and the Pats? Well, it's pretty obvious, AJ. All eyes are on rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud. The Texans announcing that Stroud will start over Davis Mills. Even th- they say it's a quarterback competition. That's that's BS. It's not a quarterback competition. C.J. Stroud's your starting quarterback. But Stroud gets the first start here against the Patriots tonight. And the starting offense not expected to play that many snaps, according to head coach D'Amico Ryans. Yeah, and apparently both guys have had solid, maybe unspectacular uh, starts to the preseason. Looked like Davis Mills. There were people who were... Uh, who were excited about him early in the process, and then he turned back into Davis Mills. And the people that I talked to said it's not a surprise at all that C.J. Stroud is starting preseason game one, and they would be shocked if he wasn't starting game one against the Ravens. Ryan said, quote, right now, as I see it, guys going out, hopefully getting a couple of series depending on how it goes. Yeah, and Mills, for, for his part, when he had the most success was with the second unit. The reps that he got with the first team guys is where we saw some inconsistencies. Uh, so I, I would expect to see that. I'm, I'm sure the Texans want to get some football under CJ Stroud. I would guess maybe three, three drives sounds about right to mm-hmm. me. Uh, maybe two, but uh, I, I expect them to to get another good look at Davis Mills. Um, it, it, listen, when you've got a rookie quarterback, your backup quarterback is just as important. Uh, and, and both of these guys need to work. The Patriots, meanwhile, listed their unofficial depth chart, as teams do here in the preseason. Mac Jones listed as the starter, Bailey Zappi as the number two. Bill Belichick was asked if Mac will start the game. He said, quote, yeah, I don't know. As far as the rest of the starters, Belichick told reporters, quote, we're still working on that, but the players who are least experienced will get the most playing time, I can tell you that. Here's what I expect out of New England, and I, I, again, I'm, I've tried to avoid betting preseason I just don't know what I'm doing with this stuff but uh, I I do believe that New England is going to want to see a lot of both their quarterbacks 
Remember last year, Mac Jones, when he was really struggling, they, Bill Belichick benched him for yeah. Bailey Zappi. And Bailey Zappi. It was Zappi hour. He's shown some things that say, hey, maybe this guy can do something in the league. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happened again this season. So they're going to want Bailey Zappi to get tons of reps. I think they're may, like, they may be looking at this as a real competition. So if you like teams in the preseason who are actually have their quarterbacks playing with a purpose mm-hmm. other than just take a few snaps. I think New England might be one of those teams to look at. That's a fair point. Bill Belichick's preseason ATS record, 32-24-4. And this, of course, the preseason debut for Domenico Ryans as an NFL head coach. Game two tonight, the Vikings at the Seahawks. And for both of these teams, not much in terms of position battles. I think for the Vikings. I think the Seahawks running back uh, is, is interesting. It's an interesting thing to watch for. Yeah, but it's... It's six and one half dozen in the yeah. other. They're gonna. They're both gonna get touches. Whether it's Charbonnet or Kenneth Walker, they're both gonna get a lot of touches this season. For the Vikings, speaking of running backs, I think they're very intrigued by Alexander Madison as the lead back now that Dalvin Cook is no longer on the football team. But in terms of who's gonna play tonight for both of these teams, I don't expect to see really any starters. Yeah, and I know for the Seahawks, their first round pick, Devin Witherspoon. He's dealing with a hamstring injury, so he's going to be sitting out. Uh, they're 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 going to be very and Pete Carroll generally is very careful. Like he he knows the spots that there's competition. He knows the spots that there's not. Um, but he also said that you know that he's expecting to see uh, quote running and hitting. Uh, that's what he's most excited to see out of his guy. <laughs> he says it's hard to tell sometimes like what you've got in your team until you see them actually running and hitting. And uh, he says these these preseason games give us a chance to make sure we're, we're there mentally and on the technical side of what we do. So uh, he's excited for the game tonight. I expect him to be physical. Pete Carroll, all-time in the preseason, 26-19-1 ATS That's last strong. season in Kevin O'Connell's first year as a head coach in the NFL, 0-3 ATS in the preseason. That sounds like a guy who – and it's hard to say yet that there's like a real trend with O'Connell, but it sounds like Pete Carroll is a guy who takes the preseason seriously. Not Harbaugh seriously, mm-hmm. but 26-19, and 19 is a that's a strong number, man. Like, you got to feel good about that. So, uh, yeah, I, it, if I were – again, I'm, I'm not a betting man on these preseason games. If I were, it, I'd be looking at Seattle. One of the things I'm interested in seeing tonight for the Seahawks is, like, we know – their big three at wide receiver. Everybody's talking about the great Seahawks wide receiver room with Metcalf, Lockett, and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I'm curious to see how much those guys play and who else is out there. Like who mm-hmm. who earns the fourth spot? Who like who else is is in that rotation? Uh, because as much as everybody talks about those three guys, obviously, as the preseason goes on, uh, and particularly Tyler Lockett, who has a lengthy, lengthy injury history. Uh, you're going to want to – you're, you assume you're going to see a lot more of the rest of the guys. For the Vikings, Jaron Hall, the rookie from BYU, is certainly going to uh, garner some attention. A lot of Vikings fans interested to see what he brings to the table in the battle for the backup with Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins, the leader in the clubhouse, being the backup quarterback. But he drafted a kid. Uh, Kirk Cousins doesn't have a, a contract just yet. It, this could be a make-or-break season, and, and maybe Hall's a part of your future. And wh- whoever's throwing the ball uh, tonight, Jordan Addison is going to be out there. And I, that's one guy for Minnesota I'm really excited to see because this is something that Kirk Cousins hasn't really had, uh, a, a guy like Jordan Addison. So this is uh, – I mean, 
when I say that, I mean someone opposite Justin Jefferson. Like with it, when Justin Jefferson's taken away a real number two yeah. option. Like not, not to say Jordan Addison is better than Justin Jefferson. I'm not going there. But I do think having a legit number two really opens things up for, for this Vikings offense. I, we're not going to see Kirk Cousins tonight, but I am excited to see Jordan Addison and how he fits in with this offense. Other news in terms of starting quarterbacks in the preseason. We got the word from Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. Deshaun Watson will start for the Cleveland Browns tomorrow night in their second preseason game because they played the Hall of Fame games. Yep. This is preseason game number two for the Cleveland Browns when they host the Commanders. Browns are three-point favorites. I don't think there's any way you can not but like, and I'm saying when I say play Deshaun Watson this preseason, I mean like, like get significant snaps out of him because mm-hmm. you have to see if he's different than what he was last year. And if he's not, you've got real issues. But you've got to really get some football under him. He missed a whole year, and it's hard to make that up in what the last half of the season. He wasn't able to make it up. Got a lot of rust to knock off. I want to get that rust off him as early as possible, have him looking as close to back to normal uh, for week one as, as he can. So Watson said, quote, just get things down from an operational standpoint and get myself in a routine for the beginning of the season. We're just going to try to operate and be as sharp and safe as possible. It's expected that this might be the the of the last run for the starters in the preseason. It's expected that no starters are going to play in next week's preseason game against the Eagles because the Browns and Eagles are going to have joint practices. And this is mm-hmm. kind of what I was saying on the Dream Pod is that when teams hold these joint practices, they get what they need to see out of the starters. So you don't really see starters play in the in the preseason game against the opponent that they've been practicing against all week. Uh, so Stefanski is saying likely because they have those joint practices with the Eagles on August 14th and 15th, no starters are expected to play next week. So you'll see Watson tomorrow, not next week. But week three, like the, the final preseason game, because Cleveland does have an extra one. I, I, it probably depends on how he looks yeah. in week one to and then in – uh, these joint practices in week two. Stavansky saying almost all of the regulars will play in tomorrow night's game. We don't know how long, but yeah. a couple of drives, one or two, maybe Nick, three. Nick Chubb will touch the ball once, and they'll That's okay, it. take yeah, a seat. Yeah, You're we're, good. We're, I think we feel comfortable <laughs> with Nick Chubb. Other starting news, Baker Mayfield will get the start for the Tampa Bay Bucks tomorrow night. This is important because Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, all the talk has been about a competition between them. The idea that Baker Mayfield's getting the first look Mm-hmm. I think says a lot. He is but, a veteran. But Kyle Trask will start next week against the Jets. Mm. So this is Todd Bowles planning it out. This is not Todd Bowles giving an indication as to who's ahead of who. He's saying Baker gets game one. Kyle Trask gets game two. Then here's what we see here. Just like I talked about in New England. When you have a situation where you know there is there is reason for quarterbacks to show out. That's the kind of teams I want to back. Mm. I and I, who knows if it's first half or what, but you, obviously you expect Baker Mayfield to be at his best, like looking to go, really go for it in, in the first half or uh, uh, the first game, and then obviously in the second game, Kyle Trask. But this is a real competition. Like Aaron Rodgers, if he goes out and plays a preseason game and he throws a pick, <laughs> he's not worried about it. You know, it's it's he's going to sleep just fine that night. These guys know that every throw counts. I expect them to be uh, is as accurate as they can be. And you know, with Baker Mayfield, oof, that 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 can be hit or miss. But expect his best efforts. Bucks right now two and a half point dogs at home to the Steelers tomorrow night. And 
what's interesting is when uh, teams, you know, releasing their unofficial depth chart, both quarterbacks were listed as co-starters. Mm. So they're not they're not giving any There's indication nothing. as to who's going to be the number one this season. Uh, speaking of joint practices, the Jets had joint practice with the Carolina Panthers. Aaron Rodgers. How had, many fights? Uh, I didn't really read any reports about fights. Oh, good. Every, uh, it feels like every joint practice has fights. Of course, fights. of course. Uh, it's nice to hit somebody else besides your own team. But Aaron Rodgers, very complimentary of Bryce Young, saying some good things about the rookie. But also, Aaron Rodgers a bit frustrated as the Jets went three and out. This can't be. During the two-minute drill portion of the practice. And I don't buy he it. wasn't happy. I don't buy it. Everything was so happy, uh, you know, happy-go-lucky, hunky-dory on hard knocks. It seems like everybody's remember, getting along. It's, it's we perfect. T- we talked about this yesterday morning. There needs to be drama on hard knocks. They need mm. some sort of adversity. So do you think he was really frustrated? Or do you think eventually we'll hear Aaron say, yeah, you know, guys, we was just – I wasn't worried. I wasn't worried about three and out in a practice, you know. I, said, I think let's, just, let's have it. I'm gonna, I was just going to fire their asses up. I think they're drawing up some some drama so that when we watch Hard Knocks next week, we can, you know, we're going to hear Leah Schreiber say, "The first practice was all sunshine and rainbows and helicopters and helicopters. The second practice, not so much." And it's going to be Aaron Rodgers going, "Oh, come on, guys! Oh, come on! Hey, you got to pick up that block, yeah, you know." And then it'll be like he'll throw the he'll throw his uh, the football down and yeah yeah he's upset and then you know come on man then he'll give like a, a a pep talk to the team and then they'll break and everyone will be frustrated and then they'll come back for the next day's practice and they'll light up the whole field yeah I'm only, <laughs> I'm only challenging these guys because I know they they've got more in them I just want to see them get get the best out of my teammates that's what I that's what I'm here to do all gas no breaks Jets respond uh, that's that's what I think is going to happen so when the next practice happens Jets and the Panthers the Jets will dominate the practice okay that's, and of, of course they'll win the next preseason game like probably 35 years. yeah clearly clearly it's just, it's all scripted on the way to the 17 <laughs> season and an obvious Super Bowl well uh, scripted means pen to paper. And no pen to paper for Kareem Hunt. You see that? That was like a nice ah, transition. I see what you yeah. did. Kareem Hunt left Indianapolis without signing a contract. And it, it was weird because he went and visited the Saints. And there was a report that he had gotten a phone call before he even went into the building. He was like, before he even met with the Saints, he was in New Orleans. He gets the phone call. Hey. Indy wants you to come visit. He's like, oh, we got to wrap up this meeting here in New Orleans. I got, I got to hop on a flight and we got to go. And so he goes all the way to Indy and then leaves with no deal. Yeah. So uh, is it? do you think that there's a legit interest in signing him? Or are the Colts trying to play a game with Jonathan Taylor? Listen, I don't know, but I, here's what I've seen. I've seen Dalvin Cook go on multiple visits. Where everyone was like, "Oh, I expect him to sign," yeah. and then he leaves without a contract. Now I've seen the same thing happen here with Kareem Hunt. I, I really do think the running back market is very dry right now, particularly for vets. And I, I don't know that anybody's looking to pay any kind of real money. And Dalvin Cook, specifically, well, according, according to ESPN's Diana Rossini, the Colts offered more money than the Saints. So you would think, then what? He signs then, right there. Then maybe it's about a chance to win, and, or maybe it's about. And I think Dalvin could do this also. If Dalvin doesn't sign with like the like a contender right away for Kareem Hunt, he can sit back and wait. 
Yeah. Because somebody will, if somebody gets hurt, somebody will take a guy. Somebody like get Hunt. people get hurt all the time. Sure. And there could be a running back on a contender that gets hurt, and then and then it's almost like supply and demand, right? Yeah. Kareem Hunt says, "Oh, you know, what? preseason the Colts offered me like one point five million. I'll take two point five from you now because you need a running back." Yeah, and remember, this is not like you know a. a a middle linebacker or a quarterback or an offensive lineman. This is, it's a position where it's, it's, it's easier to grasp your job. Yes. Like you, you generally, if it's, especially if you're not going to be on the field in like blocking situations, yes. and like they only put you in, in short yardage. And it's like, all right, here's what I'm doing. It's a handoff to the left. It's a handoff to the right. I'm picking a gap and I'm shooting through it. That's what I'm thinking. So I, I think that they can look at that and go, you know what? We could, we can use this guy. Uh, I think there'll be teams out there that, that feel that way. Will he be signed by the end of this week? Yes or no? No. Okay. Will he be signed before the preseason ends? Yes. Okay. Now, how about this? He'll be signed before the regular season starts. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it and it's so easy here Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, It's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped aboard as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. As we inch closer and closer to the start of the college football season, week zero is fast approaching. We have been previewing conference by conference each week here on Straight Out of Vegas AM, and it's time for our final Power Five conference, the Pac 12. I feel safe in saying that this is the last time that we will ever have a preseason preview of Pac 12 football. I think you're right. Because 
it looks like now, it, you know, eight of the 12 teams have confirmed that they're departing. Mm-hmm. Cal and Stanford are now in talks with the ACC, which you talk about a travel nightmare. Woof. And then Oregon State and Washington State are kind of the sisters of the poor that no one wants. And my guess is they'll end up in the Mountain West, which is probably a good fit for them anyway, like from a competitive balance standpoint. Like they'll be they'll be actually probably pretty good uh, in in those sports in in that league. So uh, but it does look like it's falling apart. But of course, still money to be made this year. That's all happening Mm -hmm. later. for right now. There's 12 teams in the Pac-12 conference and. We are going to break down, uh, like we have been doing, the winner, the uh, a dark horse, and then some uh, some win totals. One win total over, one win total under. Let's start by giving the odds uh, here in the Pac-12, and there uh, the Pac-12 maybe more than any other conference has a a fine or like a firm line of the good. And the not good. Mm-hmm. There are six teams that I could, like, I can picture a world where they win the Pac-12. There are six teams where, like, I can They picture, have no chance. I can picture pigs flying before I think they win. Pac-12A, Pac-12B. And when you look at the, like, anytime you're looking at a win total, I, I, I assume you went through this same thing in your, uh, in your handicapping. Anytime I was looking at win totals, it's like, okay, how many of the top six do they play? How many of the bottom six do they play? Who do you miss? Because all these teams play nine nine of the uh, of the eleven possible mm-hmm. opponents, so they miss two. Everybody misses two opponents. If you're lucky enough to miss two of the top six, hey, good on you. Uh, there is one school, the only school who avoided none of the top six. They <laughs> they were they scheduled all six. Here's a hint. I went under their win total for my win total. Okay. So uh, let's first look at the odds to win the Pac-12. The favorite, USC plus 190, Oregon plus 300, Washington plus 320, Utah plus 600, Oregon State 11 to 1, UCLA 14 to 1. And that's it. Draw the line. Draw the line. Washington State 40 to 1, Cal 80 to 1, Arizona 100 to 1, Colorado and Arizona State, 120 to 1. Stanford, 250 to 1. Boy, it feels like three years ago, Stanford was like mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. factor in this league. Uh, no longer a factor in the league. All right, Scott, I will uh, give you the honors. Where are you going for your Pac 12 champion? My Pac 12 champion is also my Pac 12 win total over. It's the same team, and it's the favorite, the USC Trojans at plus 190. Call it chalky all you want. But the over, their win total is set at 10 even. Yeah. And it's even money to the over. So this isn't juiced, which means that there's juice on the under 10. People aren't believing this team is going to win 10 games. Nine wins from USC this year would be an absolute colossal failure. Their offense was Absolutely explosive last year. Number three in total offense. They were second in third down conversions. They never turned over the football. They were the best team in the country in limiting turnovers. And all they did this year was bring in Cliff Kingsbury as a quarterback coach and an offensive analyst. Is that good? 
No one said anything about him being a head coach. Okay. But in terms of running an offense and coaching Caleb Williams, the returning, reigning Heisman Trophy winner, he's only going to make him better. So I think this offense gets better from what they were last year. And on defense, a little bit of struggles last year, but three monster transfers came in this year on defense. On the defensive line, Keon Bars from Arizona, Jack Sullivan from Purdue, Bear Alexander from Georgia, and at linebacker, Mason Cobb from Oklahoma State. This is a completely revamped defense that has high expectations this season. Now let's talk about their schedule. Utah, Washington, and UCLA, all at home. One loss is likely on this schedule. Maybe it's to Notre Dame. Maybe they lose to Oregon. If they lose two games, it's a push on the win total. I cannot see this team losing three games unless Caleb Williams goes down to injury. If Caleb Williams is healthy this season, this team wins at minimum 10 games on this schedule. Your thoughts? Remember, they went 11-1 and last year. Uh, they should be at least... Uh, you know, it, it, I think this the years the, the team is going to be very similar to last season's team. Like, I, I do think that they are as good as anyone offensively. One of the things that you said as a positive is one that I think is a negative. And it's the same reason I didn't trust USC last year. It was like, eventually this turnover luck has to stop. Like, they were plus one million in turnovers. Mm -hmm. and Number one in the country. A, a lot of that is luck. Like, you're, sure. I mean... USC was very, very fortunate in the turnover department last year. You throw the ball around as much as they do, you're supposed to turn it over more than they did. My assumption is they turn it over more this year. I, I, I like where you went with the 10 because it's hard to picture them falling under it. Um, they lost both, both times they played Utah last year, they lost. There's something about Utah defensively. Well, one of them, Caleb Williams was on one leg in one yeah. of those games, so... Um, but Utah is a, a weird matchup, I think, for for mm -hmm. USC. Um, Notre Dame is going to be good, better. and But I, I think the big thing I, that scares me for USC is Washington. And I, I'll just – we'll transfer right into my winner. I'm going to pick Washington to win the Pac-12 plus 320. Um, they didn't play each other last year, Washington and USC. Mm -hmm. But – to, to beat the Trojans, I think you're going to have to be comfortable in a track meet. And the Huskies are one of the teams that I know are going to be comfortable sure. in a track meet. And the turnover for Washington, or turnaround, excuse me, for Washington happened really quick. They're bringing back almost all of what they had last year on offense. Michael Penix Jr. turns out that uh, he's a perfect fit for Kalen DeBoer. Like, this, they are a match. They worked together when they were both at uh, Indiana, and it was the best the it, best, the best, best season from Michael Penix was when he was with Kalen DeBoer. And then Kalen DeBoer left. Mm -hmm. Michael Penix. Exactly. And then look now, at what happened last year. Reunited, and it feels so good. Uh, and he's, listen, they're loaded with weapons. They've got one of the best wide receiver rooms in the entire country. They've got a fantastic offensive line. Uh, the offense was elite last year, Se number two nationally, finishing drives on offense. Like they, they were putting it in the end zone. The defense is good by Pac-12 standards. Uh, like that, and when I say by Pac-12 standards, most teams in the mm -hmm. Pac-12 defense is very optional. Washington is one of the best, probably top third in the league defensively. I think you, I think USC is as well. Utah certainly is, but. You want to have a team who's at least serviceable on that side of the ball. I feel like Washington is—they fall into that category of serviceable. 
This is year two of the defensive system. The defense got much better late in the year last year as the, as the season went on. And the schedule is very friendly. Oregon and Utah are both at home. Mm-hmm. They avoid UCLA altogether. Uh, I think it's going to boil down to USC, and it may boil down to USC twice. That's um, the thing. They'll, they'll, if if their schedule goes according to plan, and by plan I'm saying, you know, win the games that you're favored in and whatnot, uh, I think they'll be underdogs at USC. But they'll probably be favored home against Oregon. Yeah. They'll, they'll be favored home against Utah. And the, the, the problem is you have the USC and Utah games in back-to-back weeks. That's tough. You go at USC in almost a make-or-break yep. game for your college football playoff hopes, and then maybe if it's an emotional win, you don't want that let down against Utah the next week. Yeah. Or if it's an emotional loss, you got to pick yourself up off the mat really quick because then you got to take on Utah, who you're going to be competing with to try and have a rematch with USC in the Pac-12 title game. Yeah, Washington's schedule in that way is funny because you're right. Their two toughest games are back-to-back, but – the other two games, the other two games, that you, or two other two spots where you think, man, we'd really like to have some rest going in here. They get a bye week before the Oregon game, mm-hmm. and they get a bye week before the USC game. Now they don't really get a bye week, but they play Stanford, which is yeah. like it's like a bye week. Yeah, when they're uh, up so by they, thirty-five, they probably get a second yeah. half bye. <laughs> yes, uh, there. So here's what I just: it's hard for me to like you, and I do like USC. It's just hard for me to like them at plus one ninety. It just feels like such a short price. I've got more questions about Utah and Oregon than I do Washington. So this is this team I saw having the most value at the top of the Pac-12. So I'm going to go with Washington plus 320 for my uh, my Pac-12 champion. You mentioned your question marks with Utah. Well, Utah's my dark horse at 6-1. to one. And I have a couple of reasons, and you can tell me what your questions are with them, but we know they dominate at home. 14 straight wins at home. They should roll through their schedule winning all their home games. And you have to win one of your two tough road games, either at USC or at Washington. If they can split those games, they can get a win. They're a one-loss conference team, one-loss Pac-12 record. They're going to the Pac-12 championship game. If they lose both of those games, they may need some help. But there's still an outside chance that a two-loss team in the Pac-12 can go to the championship game but they might need help. A one-loss team is going to the championship game. I agree. So if they can split at USC and at Washington, this team is going to have a chance to be in the the Pac-12 title game. Cam Rising should be ready to go coming off of his knee injury for the start of the season. All reports are looking good. Their lines are big and physical and strong. And I think, with all due respect to Lincoln Riley, they got the best coach in the conference. Kyle Whittingham is the best coach in the Pac-12. And... This team, as long as they can get into the game, they have the experience, they have the moxie, and at 6-1, to one, you know that price is not going to be there when they're in the Pac-12 title game, whether it's a rematch against USC, a rematch against Washington, or, or, or maybe they're playing somebody else. Uh, I think that 6-1 to one is a good price on a very well-coached football team. I like a Utah conference future way more than I like a Utah win total over. And here's well, because why. Because they, be, they can have two losses and get to the Pac-12 championship game. I also think, I don't think Cam Rising is going to play week one against Florida. Like, okay. you said all reports are good. That's not what I've read. Uh, and let's remember, he tore his ACL on January In January, 1st. yeah. Like, at the Rose Bowl, he tore his ACL. Like, to, to think that he's going to come back less than nine months later 
and just be himself mm. isn't real. ACL surgeries aren't what they used to be. But if you're a competitive athlete, you've got to run. You've got to be able to take hits. It's You're not going to be yourself when you start. And I think it's a lot more important for Utah to win the Pac-12 than it is for them to beat Florida. Uh, I, don't, I don't even think they're going to play him week one. I, I would be shocked, actually, if he was out there playing week one. Because, let's face it, if Cam Rising gets hurt, like in, in nothing you say good about Utah means anything because they're mm-hmm. not good. Uh, they're a good defensive team with a nice home field advantage. Cam Rising is is what will make them either go or not go. Cam Rising, I I think if if you have and if you take away his legs, like if you say okay, well Cam Rising just won't run. I'm not interested in Utah there either. Yeah. Like part of what makes Cam Rising so good is he's got an ability to to take off. Uh, so I could see them being very ultra conservative early Sitting in the season. Sitting in week one, they maybe have a hiccup against I, – I don't think they lose at home to Florida. But um, – I, I don't know. They, nobody thought they'd lose to Florida last year. That was a close game. Anthony Richardson put it's, himself in the Heisman well, conversation. They, what were they, like an eight-point favorite or something like that? Like, they were they were supposed to dominate that game. They 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 got beat outright. Um, going to Gainesville and then Anthony and Richardson having hindsight, a game of his life is a lot different than going to Salt Lake where they don't lose. In hindsight, though – Florida wasn't good. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, they, they went and they lost to a bad team. Like, that is concerning. So, like, but, and especially if they don't have Cam Rising, I think they can lose in Utah to Florida. Like, it, it wouldn't shock me at all, in fact, if Cam Rising. Good thing doesn't it doesn't play. affect their Pac 12 title hopes. It does not. Uh, so, if they, if, if they were, if they could lose to a, a a six and six Florida team last year in Florida. I think they could without Cam Rising. I think all bets are off. But I do. I, if you if you had to choose one, I'm choosing the Pac-12 future versus mm-hmm. the win total because I I don't think that Cam Rising is ready to go early. Uh, for my dark horse, I went a little darker, and I went to Oregon State, the Beavs. One of the only Pac-12 teams remaining. Uh, <laughs> Favorite to win the Pac-12 in 2024? It should be. Uh, it, it's a two-league two team. They're just going to play Washington State over and over. In a conference where defense is optional, and let's face it, I was just saying, in the Pac-12, defense is kind of optional. Mm-hmm. I think Oregon State is going to be a nightmare for teams because they run the ball at will. And that was last season. Now – Really what kept Oregon State from being great last year, and Oregon State ended up being a lot better than I think anybody thought. What kept them from being great was quarterback play. They were miserable at quarterback. Go, just look no further than the Oregon State-USC game where they threw four interceptions and it still took a last-minute Caleb Williams touchdown to beat them 17-14. to 14. Like, they, they, they gave USC more fits than anybody all year, probably, outside of Utah. Um, they bring in DJ Uwe Ungalale, mm-hmm. and whatever you thought of him at Clemson, I, I think he was – I mean, there's no doubt he was a massive disappointment at Clemson. I think there's two things to look at. One, he was – the offensive system at Clemson has not been good and since Trevor Lawrence left. And it didn't really fit his skill set properly. Number two, 
even if if DJ Uyunglele was it was what we saw him be the last two seasons, he's still a massive upgrade for Oregon State. Sure, like he for compared to what they had, this is like is he is he going to be the next Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence? No, <laughs> he's not. But is he going to be the best quarterback Oregon State's had in some time? I think absolutely. Uh, he's playing behind a fantastic offensive line, one of the best in the country. The, and like I said, probably probably the best running offense in the Pac-12 this season. There's certainly questions on the defensive side of the ball. There are on on most teams, but this is there's a couple things to like. They've got one of the better safety duos uh, in the league. They they are going to be able to create some pass rush. Cornerback situation is bleak. Uh, that could end up biting them, and especially in a league where everybody's throwing the ball around besides them. But again, they were good enough to to hold USC down last year. Mm. And um, speaking of USC, Oregon State avoids them all together this season. That's a positive. Don't have to play them. As for the rest of the top teams, they get Utah at home. They get UCLA at home. They get Washington at home. The only one of those top six teams that they travel to, Oregon, mm. where that Civil War game, every single – it doesn't matter where they're playing. Yeah. That, that's a ball game. Uh to me, if DJU is an upgrade over what they had last year, and I think it's automatic that he will be, this could be a sneaky good team. And it better than 10 to 1, I, I don't hate it. I, I, I can, I, there's way worse values on the board than there is Oregon State at 11 to 1, in my opinion. You bring up some fair points. Uh, I'm going to ask you about DJ um, in just a moment here because I'll ask you about – the, I'll give you some time to think about this when I give you, I'll give you my under right now. But I'm going to ask you for which player in the Pac-12 are you betting to win the Heisman Trophy? And we'll go over the candidates in the Pac-12. Okay. Essentially, we're just going to talk about the top five, six quarterbacks. Before you do your under, let me give my over since you've already given your over. Okay, good. And then uh, we'll, we'll flip-flop our unders. But for my win total over, I'm going to go over UCLA at eight and a half. And there's a lot of change for the Bruins on the offensive side of the ball. They lost their quarterback that they had for like 18 years. <laughs> uh, they lost Zach Charbonnet. But the cupboard is far from bare for Chip Kelly. They finished top 10 in portal rankings. At QB, they've got options. They bring back Ethan Garbers. He was the backup last season. And anyone who's had some time in Chip Kelly's system is already you're starting off on the right foot. But if he struggles at all, they've got one of the top incoming freshmen in the country in Dante Moore. Five-star, dual-threat quarterback. So far this uh, this offseason in the spring and, and early early uh, fall, been described as, quote, advanced and special. Those are good signs for a freshman. And if Chip Kelly – like, Chip Kelly's going to get the most out of his quarterback no matter what. If Dante Moore really is where, like, they're making it sound like he is, I don't know if he'll start week one, but if there's any trouble mm-hmm. with Garbers, I, I think they're going to look for a reason to go ahead and get with him. Um, they've got a, a really deep, really strong offensive line. They've got a good tight end room. Uh, replacing Charbonnet is going to be tough. Um, but, you know, in today's modern NFL world, or modern NFL world, modern football world, you could find running backs. And if you've got a good offensive line and you've got a quarterback, the running back's probably going to be good no matter who it is. Uh, defense has been overhauled a little. It's young, but they they brought in, they did a great job recruiting. Uh, and they killed it through the transfer portal with no surprise on either of those things with Chip Kelly. Defensive coordinator is an important thing to watch. If you re- remember last year, their defensive coordinator died. Um, 
they went to the NFL ranks to get DeAnton Wynn from the Ravens. I love this. Mm-hmm. I love going and getting and like he's never been a, a DC. He was a safeties coach in Baltimore. But I love having that NFL influence. I love that it came from Baltimore. I know I won't say that when RJ's around, but uh, I, I, I think that if you're going to bring an NFL mind into your college program, I think it's a, a great thing. I think it's going to be great for recruiting as well. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see what UCLA's defense can do. And from a schedule standpoint, they avoid Washington and Oregon. So, you, like I said, everybody avoids two teams. The fact that UCLA avoids Washington and Oregon, two of the, the good six, is massive. Unfortunately, they have three. They have three road losses. Three road losses on their schedule. Their three three toughest games are all on the road. USC, Oregon State, Utah, are all on the road. The other two road games, Stanford and Arizona, though the home the home slate is an absolute joke. It's a cakewalk. Like they they're not going to lose a home team a home game. Well, they can't afford a hiccup. Like if they if they're a nine and three team, if they just don't avoid a hiccup, they lose those three road games. And and they'll finish nine and three. So I don't that, think, it, but I, I do you think Oregon State's a lock that they they lose to them? I think it's a I think it's a tough game. I, I, it yeah. is a, certainly a tough game. But if they, I mean, if they win that game, mm-hmm. now you feel like they can't lose. If they lose that game, they have to get upset to lose. To 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 lose under eight and a half. That's Sorry. what I'm saying. I, th- I think, like I said, they're nine and three. I believe if they can, if they just lose those three road games and don't avoid a hiccup. But if they have a hiccup somewhere along the line. It's a bad loss somewhere. Then it's an eight and four season. Chip has gotten this thing through the rebuild. Remember the first three seasons were all losing seasons. Eight wins two years ago. Nine wins last year. Well, eight wins in the regular season. Uh, I, I think that they are ready to push the top of the league this season. So I like UCLA over eight and a half. All right, let's go to your win total under uh, for the Pac-12. Who do you who do you think underperforms this year? Prime coach Prime. In Colorado, I'm going under three and a half. Oof. Now you're buying at a bad time. Sure. Like this was five and a half. Mm-hmm. Like some for some reason it was five and a half. I have no idea why. I, I don't necessarily. I wouldn't bet against you. I wouldn't want to book this. But you, like it feels like all the margins are gone now. Like your margins yeah. for error. Sure. They have so much talent coming in. It's just it's a hodgepodge that probably won't mesh well early on. It's going to take some time to mesh. They have a new fast-paced offense under former Kent State coach Sean Lewis that puts a lot of pressure, not just on Shador Sanders, but it puts a lot of pressure on the defense because this is an offense that probably won't be on the field a lot. Uh, Kent's offense was only on the field for like 20 minutes a game, 20, 25 minutes a game. So the defense is going to be on the field a lot. They won't hold up against this schedule. They're not going to be favored at all in, in any of their games. And you look at the schedule and you try and find four wins – it's very difficult. I think if they beat, which they can, Colorado State rivalry game, beat Stanford, maybe beat Arizona. Those are your three wins. But the rest of the schedule at TCU, Nebraska, at Oregon, USC, at Arizona State, at UCLA, home to Oregon State, at, at, I mean, maybe at Washington State, at Utah. This is a difficult schedule. It's tough. And for a coach that's never coached in this conference before, who you know is talking above his head, who is bringing in a bunch of transfers from all different places, that I just think the growing pains are going to be felt in year one for Coach Prime. This was a one-win team a season ago. At best, they are a three-win team this year. I, I 
think that when, like, if you have a, a good portal class, it's awesome to if you're adding it to your core. But this if is that like, is your core. Then yeah, yeah. This is the. It was basically torn down to nothing and rebuilt. I, I think it's going to be a disaster year for Colorado. But I, I just knowing that it could have, you could have had it at five and a half. Like I, I can't get behind it at three and a half. Like I, I don't. I again. I'm not booking the other side. I'm certainly not saying, oh, they're going to win mm-hmm, four mm-hmm. games. Like, I, I I don't think so. But it, it it's not – it at that number, it wouldn't shock me because I do think, like, these players are excited to play for them. But I also think every team's going to give Colorado their best. Like, sure. Colorado is – Because they're going to get so much national attention because of Prime that they're going to want to stick it to them. And nobody wants to be on the other side of the microphone no. when Dion wins. Exactly. So I, I think you are – like, you're going to you're going to see this team treated like a – it, not like uh, it, when teams see Stanford on their schedule this year, they're going to be like, well, okay. Yeah. When they see Colorado, I think the kids on the other team are going to be like, okay, let's do that. Or coaches too. Coaches mm-hmm. who don't mm-hmm. like the way they handled the transfer portal. All right, let's put it on these boys. Yep. So uh, don't disagree with you there. For my win total under, I'm going to go with the Cal Bears under five. Uh, and that's it. Plus 100 or even money, depending mm-hmm. on uh, who you are. I've heard it called both. Uh, but, you know, I'm a square. Uh, and this is one of the more head-scratching win totals on the board. I don't really get why it's still at five. Uh, opened at five and a half. It's now five, even money. But they won four games last year, and their conference schedule swaps out Arizona, who they beat last year, and Colorado, who they lost to last year, Oof. for Utah and Arizona State. They play every good team in the Pac-12. All, all six, the top six, they play all of them. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible thing. They only have four home games in conference this year. That's a terrible thing. They've got a new offense with Jake Spavital coming in from Texas State. That's not a good thing. <laughs> uh, at least it hasn't been in the past. There's just not much reason to expect the, the offense to – like. and maybe we, him, him not being a head coach, Spavital, maybe it's a good thing. But I don't think it's going to be an instant improvement. They've got a new quarterback, Sam Jackson, who was the third-string quarterback at TCU last year. Like, didn't get on the field, but he's going to be behind one of the worst offensive lines in the country. Uh, he can run a little bit, which kind of, I guess, sort of gives them a floor. But, again, like, what? It, it, if you're asking this team to get bowl eligible, I need more than just a solid floor. Uh, and then on the de- defensive side, they were terrible last season, and they – on top of being terrible last season, they lost 70% of their production. So, And Cal is not exactly a recruiting hotbed right now. No. So I, I, I think these are this is a disaster season. Justin Wilcox hasn't been to a bowl game since 2019. This schedule, nothing about what's happening at Cal right now makes me think, oh, yeah, this is a buy-on team. They're going to a bowl this year. And that's what it would take for me to lose this under, is them getting to bowl eligibility. There's four wins on this schedule. I, I think four wins is generous. Yeah, so, that's if they don't. I mean, they, they're, they're, they could, they're going to lose to North Texas week one. It wouldn't shock me. Now, North Texas is going to be pretty bad. They're a lot. This isn't North Texas from last year. It could be bad. But I, I they lose that game, and they're, you're, you're getting three wins. Oh, my God. I think they could lose to Stanford. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they lost Cal, to Stanford. Cal's seven-and-a-half-point favorites at North Texas. Yeah. Is that the only game they're favored in this year? Uh, no, oh, Stanford. They'll be favored in Stanford, yeah. Either way, I, I don't think much of this Cal team, so I, under five feels like a really safe play for me. So uh, that that one will be my favorite Pac-12 win total under. All right, I'm going to give you the Pac-12 quarterbacks, uh, just the top at least. Who's your Heisman pick in the Pac-12? 
Caleb Williams is the overall Heisman favorite. He's plus 550. Even though no one wins two Heismans, we know that. Archie Griffin. Bo Nix, 16 to 1. Mm, Michael okay. Penix, 16 to 1. Mm, do we have to go? Do, we, do you, want any, you want me to go further? I don't think so because the next name on the list would probably be Cam Rising, and you already know my interest. 70 to 1 on Cam Rising. I'll go Michael Penix. I, I think Michael Penix, 16 to 1, is, a, is the best value of those for certain. Um, Bo Nix, same price, though. Bo Nix lost his offensive coordinator. That's, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what Bo Nix looks like uh, in, in year two with that system. So I've seen Bo Nix look really, really bad. Uh, it seems like there was a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of things that happened last year are being brought directly into this year for Penix. Mm-hmm. I mean, the same thing for Caleb Williams, uh, who, I mean, listen, if you, if they were all even odds, I'd say Caleb Williams has the best chance. Yeah. But, because I like Washington to win a bunch of games this year, uh, and, and I, I like it on the arm of Penix and the legs of Penix. I'll tell you what, that that's, game, that's the way I would look. That game at Washington, Washington against Oregon, that'll cancel out one of those guys. Yep, I agree. Because Oregon's going to be 5-0 and going into that game and probably putting up a ton of points. Portland State, Texas Tech, Hawaii, Colorado, Stanford. Oh, that's a bad schedule. They're going to win every game by 20 yeah, points. Yeah. And then you go into that game against Michael Penix and Washington, and Nix is going to be top three yeah. in the Heisman voting at that point. Maybe. Or in the Heisman odds, I should yeah. say. I mean, yeah. right now he's the sixth favorite. So, Mike, yeah, Michael Penix would be my choice of those. I think Cause I Because I, I, I like Washington better than Oregon. I, and most a lot of it's nothing to do with the quarterbacks. Yeah. I like Washington's defense a lot more than I like Oregon's defense. So, if I get Michael Penix playing against Oregon's defense, mm-hmm. and I get, you get Bo Nix playing against Washington's defense, I feel better about having Michael Penix because I've got the better defense as well. I think you're right. Um, I thought Penix had a shot last year. Things didn't go, yeah. you know, things didn't go according to, to, to plans. But I think if they're both the same pricing, then yes, I think, I, I think the better chance is Penix. And imagine had they played USC last year and maybe given Penix a chance at a head-to-head win. Yeah. Penix finished eighth last year in the voting. Yeah. This year he'll finish top five. And remember, a lot of this is preseason perception. It's rare that someone comes from the middle of nowhere to win the Heisman. Michael Penix was in the middle of nowhere last year because he was coming off a bad season. Yeah. And now... Well, 2019, the kid was he was phenomenal yeah. in Indiana. Now he's, he's coming off another phenomenal year. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I can, I can see a path to him winning that trophy. All right. Well, that is the Pac-12 preview here. Great trade. Great trade. Uh, that was the comments made by Kyle Schwarber, Reese Hoskins, and other Phillies players as their general manager, Dave Dombrowski, walked throughout the clubhouse shaking hands after Michael Lorenzen, in his second start since being acquired from the Tigers, throws the 14th no-hitter in Phillies history, just the second no-hitter thrown in front of the fans at Citizens Bank Park. The only time that the fans had seen a no-no was Roy Halladay's in the division series against Cincinnati uh, in 2010. So the home fans at the bank seeing a no-no. Lorenzen throws 131 pitches the excuse me, 124 pitches, the most since Mike Fires threw 131 in a no hitter in 2019. The 124 career high for Lorenzen. The Phillies beat the Nationals seven nothing last night. AJ, I'm, you know, I, I don't know for a fact, but I'm guessing there was a point where they were like, "Do we make this a combined no hitter?" 
I mean, they got Michael Lorenzen to push them to the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, it was a comfortable lead. It, like, you couldn't have faulted the Phillies if they'd pulled him out of there and said, hey, we're, you know, it's just not, it's not worth the risk. Uh, but kudos to them, letting him go, letting him finish. Hopefully it doesn't come back and bite him later. But, uh, yeah, this is a, a rare thing to see someone throw that many pitches. Mm-hmm. Maybe if it was a perfect game, I could have seen it. But we see more and more in today's baseball. Like, you get to that 100-pitch mark, you don't go out for the next inning. Yeah, and look, it was a 7 nothing game in the seventh inning. Right. And you're wondering, hey, well, do, do we just see how it goes here? All right, let's see how – you know what? Let's see him get through the top of the eighth. And then we'll we'll figure it out. All right, do we want to th- let him go out there? Well, threw a bunch of pitches in the top of the eighth inning. Uh, threw about ten, uh, you know, three, six, nine, to eleven pitches in the eighth inning. And I, I guess that's not a lot. So once that's you th- once you throw eleven in the in the eighth, then you're you're throwing him out there for the ninth. And it's like, at this point, just let him go. Yeah. Because in the ninth inning, he goes one, two, three. He throws seven, 10, 13 pitches. So 24 pitches in the last. So he was he, at the 100 pitch mark basically when he, he was at 100 eight. pitches after seven innings. And they probably said, we're going to send you out for the eighth, see if you can get through it quickly. 11 pitches. He's at 111. And he says, I, I feel you got to let me finish this. You agree. This is pretty rare. Like, it, like, I just read it. It's, it's, it's the most since Mike Fires in 2019 threw 131 in a solo no-hitter. Yeah, this, it just doesn't happen anymore. So kudos to the Phillies, I guess, for, for giving it a run. And, and kudos to, uh, to Lorenzen for, for finishing the job. And- so I, I looked it up. I did some, did some research here. And in the start after Mike Fires threw that 131-pitch no-hitter, he only went five innings. He only threw about 85 pitches. Only one run allowed, though. Okay. So do I think Lorenzen's going to go six or seven deep? Probably not. If I had to bet on, like, if there was a total outs bet, and let's say, what is it usually? 17 and a half, right? That's usually the bet that, that's out there. It's like over, under 17 and a half outs. Well, I'd go under. Okay. Because I think you he don't need to push him. I think he gets 15 outs. I think he goes three innings and that's it. I mean, five innings, five innings. and that's it. You know, you know what? It, I may disagree with you. Here's why. The Phillies will get a rest day uh, on Monday. So he won't pitch again until Tuesday. So he's on extra rest? He'll have extra rest. They will be at Toronto, but he will have a, he'll have a day of extra rest before his next start. And that could help him. He threw in, in the the one twenty four. He threw one hundred and one his start before this when That's he a went a lot of pitches piling when up. he went eight innings. But you know what that tells me? Oh, I don't know. Is, is he a free agent to be? Oh, I don't know. It's, 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 it's like the CC Sabathia thing. Yeah, like, oh, let's just run him into the burn ground. Burn him out, baby. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see what his contract is. Lorenzen, one year. Yep, they're they're riding. They, here's my guess: the Phillies have no intentions of signing him to a long term extension. Unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. They are burning him. Just, just throwing him out there. And it, like some t- some poor unsuspecting fools, like the Pirates or the Royals or the Ti- or like no, not the Tigers or the uh, the, the Mets. The Nat. Oh, maybe the Mets <laughs> will say we're gonna make a big. Boy, spin. that Lorenzen's. Yeah, we're gonna, he looked we're good. Gonna Let's sign get him. the Yankees are gonna overpay for him, and then he'll be on the on the. The IL the entire year. He'll be, like, he'll be 32 next year. It's like, let's give him like a four 
your deal. It sounds yeah. about right. <laughs> like, sounds about you see that no hitter? <laughs> you look like Roy Halliday out there. The Phillies uh, are the top wild card now ahead of the San Francisco Giants. They've won seven of their last ten games. But to that note, don't play under outs on Michael Lorenzen going yeah, forward. Yeah, it does make about, sense. Okay, forget yes. about that. Because they're going to run him into the ground. <laughs> CeCe's about to hit with the, with the Brewers. Let's take a look uh, at what we have on schedule for Major League Baseball here on this Thursday. Astros and Orioles will play after the Astros have taken the first two games of this series, 8-2, the Astros win last night. Domination, Holmes. This is a big series for both these teams. The Astros obviously trying to make up ground, and the Rangers were playing so well that they they really needed a good series. They couldn't afford to fall back any further. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fact that they've already locked up this series is huge. Uh, win tonight would would really be a, a nice little cherry on top. Hunter Brown gets the start. Dean Kramer. It's a uh, twelve thirty five midday start there in Baltimore. Maybe Sun comes into play. Total nine and a half. Houston minus one fifteen. Braves are at the Pirates. Bryce Elder gets the start for the Braves. Bailey Falter goes for the Pirates. Atlanta's minus two ten. Twins are at the Tigers. Kenta Maeda goes for Minnesota. They're minus one sixty. Reese Olsen gets the start for Detroit. Blue Jays at the Guardians. Alec Manoa on the mound for the Blue Jays. Noah Syndergaard for the Guardians. Toronto's minus one thirty five. Total of nine and a half. Cardinals are at the Rays. Matt Libertor starts for St. Louis. Zach Littell for the Rays. Tampa Bay's minus 170. Nationals are at the Phillies. Patrick Corbin Day for the Nats. Aaron Nola goes for the Phillies. Philly minus 260. No, no hitter hangover. What, what, what is it you like? The uh, the under the day I like after? the under the day after. They're all out partying? Yeah. What's the total set at? Nine. Mm, you know the Nationals aren't going to put up numbers. But it's Patrick Corbin Day. Oh, yeah, that's risky. Maybe the Phillies score like seven again. Royals at the Red Sox. Alec Marsh goes for the Royals. James Paxton for Boston. Boston's minus 267. Rockies at the Dodgers. Uh, Not sure what the Dodgers are going to do with their rotation just yet. Ty Blotch gets a start for Colorado. LA's a huge favorite, minus 350. The Dodgers actually getting good news. We don't know who's pitching, but they're almost four to one favorites. Yeah, it's it's known. Um, But Walker Bueller. Faced live hitters, and he's targeting a September return. You talk about a trade deadline acquisition. Walker Bueller, who his second Tommy John surgery could be the best pitcher on this team. Yes, Uh, you know. So if he comes back and he is any anywhere close to what he was pre-surgery, this is a massive, massive get for the Dodgers, who I know at the beginning of the season were hopeful. But certainly not counting on Walker Wheeler mm-hmm. to be available this season. Underwent his second Tommy John surgery last August and faced live batters for the first time. And everyone's saying it looked really good. He looked really, really good. So we'll see if he can make a return here for the postseason. Would certainly be a huge boost to the Dodgers World Series uh, chances. Maybe even a guy who pitches out of the bullpen. We've seen that yeah. before. You know, like these guys who have. Or the, be an opener. Go, yeah. go for three innings and that's Anything. it. Just give them something. Give yeah. them a couple quality innings. It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if that's a route they go. A little news in the world of the UFC. And it's probably not good news for Uncle Dana White. Uh, there has been a. A court victory against the UFC, an antitrust lawsuit brought against the UFC uh, back in 2020. And the plaintiffs have been granted class certification. And what that means is there's almost 1,200 fighters can now sue the UFC for what they are calling unfair business practices, underpayment. They're basically saying that UFC destroys every other 
fighting outlet so that they don't have to pay the fighters what they're worth. Yeah. That's the argument. Which, so, like, you want to go, you want to do PFL, you want to do any other fighting, you're not going to get any viewers because UFC is just going just gonna to trump you. And then, well, if you come to the UFC, it's like, eh, this is how much we pay our fighters. Like, go, go somewhere else and get paid. Yeah. yeah. But you can't. Uh, John Fitch and Kung Lee are two of the fighters who are kind of at the forefront of this group. Uh, and they're, they're saying that basically this is, this is nowhere near done. But it's it's something that will take could could take several years to to finish off. Mm. But if they would not have gotten this identity as a a class action suit, basically, there would have been nothing. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. So they're the fighters are looking for uh, somewhere between eight hundred and eight hundred million mm-hmm. and one point six billion dollars in restitution uh, on underpayment. And uh, licensing fees uh, associated with identity rights. Like w- when you get to the UFC, like they they sign you to these contracts that say like it, you, like you don't get any money for being in video games. Mm. But it, if they sell cards of you or what, like it, your your identity belongs to the UFC at that point. It's almost like you're a pro wrestler or something. Uh, it's a very it, at least back then it was a very tough contract. I can't say that that's what they're doing today. Uh, because I know they've had a lot of pressure on, yeah. on this front. But this is for any fighter who competed in the UFC from December of 2010 to June of 2017. Uh, they are all eligible for this class action lawsuit. But you were not under the UFC umbrella. I was not. So you cannot be a part I of this class action was suit. was not. I pushed very, very hard to be CM Punk's debut opponent. <laughs> and it did not work out for me, unfortunately. But uh, that was, that was like, I really thought, like, I, I t- actually talked to people about it. Yeah. So it was, it was like a real possibility. And that was a kind of exciting. But uh, I, I think anybody in the UFC not named CM Punk probably would have beat the shit out of me. And that, <laughs> the, the thought of that second fight just wasn't that appealing. Well, uh, I've watched enough suits to know that uh, the UFC lawyers are going to try and get this dismissed they're gonna try like it's that it doesn't qualify as a class action and it's only these two fighters so they're gonna they're gonna fight tooth and nail i'm sure they're appealing the the decision as we speak oh they and they've got good lawyers so we'll see where this goes like i said a long way from over Mm -hmm. but the first step for a lot of these fighters a lot of money a lot of money to be had there if they win this case against the ufc you know you can win a lot of money on the ufc by betting on the ufc yeah. When there's UFC events, no one's better than AJ Hoffman. You can get his card on pregame.com. You can jump on board a package for football season from your favorite pregame pro at pregame.com. We have packages going off right now, discounted packages for the start of the NFL season and the college football season. You can get a combo package, football all across the board, NFL and college from your favorite pregame pro. Or you can double up. Multiple pregame pros. You can get bulk dollars. You can just peruse the site for a daily best bet. New members to pregame.com get free $25. But all listeners to this podcast get 20% off at pregame.com. If you use the promo code HARD20, HARD20, you'll get 20% off your purchase on the website. So if you want 20% off a subscription package, Use the promo code HARD20. It's a great way to get a season's worth of picks. That's every best bet, every three-star, every two-star, every one-star. And you get it all for the entire season, and you take 20% off 
with the promo code HARD20 at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Steinberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.